Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spots Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Craig Broussard, who is the CEO and president of Magnum Development, as well as the chairman, CEO, and president of a joint venture with Haddington Ventures and Mitsubishi. Craig, welcome to the show. Well, Birgit, thank you so very much for having me. You and I have talked about this opportunity for a long time, and I genuinely I'm pleased to be here today with you. Thank you. And I know our listeners are going to be very happy they'll be listening to someone like you because, first of all, you've got quite a track record of successes. You not only were the actually one of the founders of Magnum Development and you successfully secured the funding to take this project to where it is today through many ups and downs. And and boy, you, you succeeded as a young executive in both private and public industries domestically and internationally. And now you even serve on the boards of Sawtooth Caverns and, and the Utah Foundation. So tell us a little bit about how you got there. And I don't know if you're everybody's favorite now in the news, because I know what you are in charge of now is the renewables. And then you also have the traditional energy storage and, and generation solutions. And it's a hot topic right now. So how did you get to this place? Were, were you always this successful? Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, no. But we often learn far more from our failures than from our successes. And I have had several failures. And yes, today, Magnum is a darling. The ACES project is a darling. The renewable community, creating green hydrogen is a hot topic today around the world. And we're excited to be a part of that. We are working diligently on putting together the largest green hydrogen storage project in the world outside of Delta, Utah. And you know, stay tuned. There's lots in the press that you can you can look at and, and learn more about that particular project. But I want to answer your question. I, I have had a very diverse career. And for such a long time, I was always the youngest person in the room. And then for the last four or five years, I tend to be the oldest person in the room. And you wonder how that happened. And quite frankly, up until a day or so ago, I really hadn't spent a whole lot of time thinking about that. But in preparation for this call, I, I wanted to kind of go back through it and think about the types of questions you might ask and what would be of interest to your listeners. And what I would say is in terms of the diverse career, I've been an individual contributor. I've been the leader of large teams. As you've mentioned, I've worked domestically, internationally. I've been a tradesman. I'm a journeyman lineman by trade. Uh, I've sat in the executive suites as the CEO. I've come from fully funded, high cotton environments to no funding and trying to get by on, on a shoestring. I've worked in private industry and government. I've hired a lot of people. I've laid a lot of people off. And so it goes. I've built businesses. I've dismantled them. And as I mentioned at the very beginning, I have had some successes, and we'll talk about those, but I've also had some failures. And I'll go down whatever path you'd like from there. But I will tell you, as I've thought about all of these experiences, the common theme throughout all of them is that people are the key and people make the difference throughout my career. And in each of these examples that I've just listed, at the end of the day, it's about the people. Mm. And did you always know that? Or at some point when you were leading a team of people, did you 
discover how how true that was because you made mistakes or did you have a mentor or how did you already know that? That's a great question. And, and, and I have been fortunate to have some really good mentors in my career. And no, I did not start off thinking that people were key. And in fact, just the opposite. Managing people early on as a, as a supervisor is a real challenge. And you, know, you envision the day when you don't have direct reports and life would be good. The reality is you will always be working amongst people. Maybe you'll be the leader. Maybe you'll be the follower. Who knows in what role? But having people skills, embarking and enjoying that whole experience is, is really fundamental in my view, mm. at, at least for the work that I do. There may be individual contributor positions out there that don't require interfacing with others, but they're few and far between. Yeah. So as you know, the show is called CEO Blind Spots. And I'm, of course, curious, did you ever have a blind spot? And if so, which which one was that? Yeah, I, I came home one night. It was relatively late and I turned on the TV and Bill Moyers was interviewing Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell is a, a, a famous mythologist going back in time. And Bill said to Joseph Campbell, what are the two most important questions in life? And I was captivated by that. And they are, where are you going and who's going with you? And as mm. simple as those two questions are, we in our Western culture tend to get them reversed. And I'll give you an example. Birget, I, I think the world of you, you know, let's get married, let's move, you know, let's get together, blah, blah, blah. And we do that. And then after we get together, oh, by the way, my goal is to live in a cabin up in Alaska and not see anybody. <laughs> and you might say, well, you know, Craig, I kind of like the warm weather and I really am not into cabins, you know, all that stuff. It's, it's not going to work. And we all know of lots of examples where that's happened. And so where are you going and who's going with you really applies in business too. When you're hiring people, when you're motivating teams of people, where are we going and who wants to come and why do you want to come and what's it going to take for you to come and all those follow-on questions really are key. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fascinating that, that you're sharing this because a lot of leaders read books and, and a popular theme is who first, where second. What's your view on that? Well, I, here's what I think. I think it's incumbent upon the leadership to have the, the standard mission, vision, values. It's, mm -hmm. it's critically important to translate those to individuals through the formulation of goals and just a word or two on goals. Goals need to be meaningful, measurable, and perhaps most importantly, attainable. We've all worked for people that said, you know, if you build me a stairway to heaven, then you'll you'll be rewarded. Well, you never, you know, you can't get there. And so you're discouraged before you even get started. So I think it's, it's critically important. But now the, the direct answer to your question would be, I, I always challenge myself as I think about communicating with, especially with employees, what about me? Ultimately, that's the question is, this is all great. I like the mission vision, but what does it mean for me personally? And it's rare that you'll ever get anybody that'll ask you that question straight up. But if you can take the time to, to think about that and, and address it for them, you'd be amazed at the results. That is such a true statement. I'm so glad, glad you said that out loud because you're right. That's always secretly the question, if not openly the question. So the where you're going would be the vision, mission, values, and then you'll know if people are aligned or not. And, and if you can answer how this benefits them, then you feel comfortable 
in terms of that you've got the, someone that's the right person on the bus? That's right. And I would add that when you think about who's going with you, it really is a critical question. And oftentimes we don't take the time to either vet potential candidates to join our team or to go back and ensure that we're still aligned. You know, that alignment's critical and it changes over time. People's lives are dynamic and you go from being fully committed to the only reason why I'm working for this outfit is my golf club membership. And Mm -hmm. it's best to find that out sooner rather than later and say, listen, you know, I I think golf club memberships are wonderful. I'm going to set you free and go hit golf balls, but I need somebody that'll do these, these things on behalf of the organization. And you know, let's figure it out. Let's move on. Yes. Yeah. Well, it sounds to me like uh, you surrounded yourself with good mentors. You you read a lot. So were you ever surprised by something yourself or anything that you yourself would call a blind spot that you had? Yeah, lots of them. I'll give you a quick story. I was a young region manager working for a utility, and it was a very bureaucratic situation, very siloed. And the approval process for contracts is you had to go around in each of the silos and and get people's signatures. And I had the responsibility at the end of getting all these signatures of going to the president of the the utility and presenting him this 30-page contract. It was $5 million at the time, a a lot of money to me. And I, I laid it down in front of him, fully expecting to get 50 questions and all this stuff. And without even opening it up, he signed it and pushed it back to me. And mm. he said, you, you look surprised. And I said, yes, sir, I am. I thought you might have a question or two. And he said, don't ever bring me anything that you wouldn't sign and you haven't already asked all the questions. I'm not paid to do your job. And I thought, wow, that was a one of those moments that uh, really was a key learning for me that he's absolutely right. If I'm waiting for him to ask all those questions, I probably haven't done my homework. So now I understand how how well you succeeded thereafter with that kind of a mindset. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it really, it really was. It, that was a blind spot to me. I just assumed that as things progressed up the ladder, more and more questions and perhaps more sophisticated questions will be asked and expect to be answered. That's not always the case. I think oftentimes we as individuals have as much or more knowledge than others. It's it's the Mm -hmm. old, no one knows what you know, no one cares the way you care. Yes. Well, as we start to wrap up the show, we're still, you could say, in crisis mode. And there's many leaders who've not been through a crisis and perhaps haven't struggled in managing people through crisis. What tip or two do you want to share in given the situation we're all facing right now and have been facing? Another really great question. It is really prominent today. And as you think about people in general, you know, I think about how I would like to be treated. And I think about people want to be loved for and cared for. It's not just about business. It's more than that now. It's People are risking their lives to come into the office, as an example. People have to rearrange their, their, their home front to either take calls or do whatever they do. And so that's a long way of saying is we need to slow down, take some additional time and focus on the individuals and, and give them a little bit more love and care and, and concern that we may not otherwise do in a, in a group setting because we're, we're, there's a lot more isolation that's going on today. Yeah. And and when you were younger leader, so to speak, leading people, was there anything that, that, that you struggled with in terms of leading people through a crisis? And 
another really great question. You know, being the, the youngest guy in the room or the youngest crew supervisor, if you will, in, in a craft craftsman's environment, gaining the trust and respect of people that are older than you that have arguably more experience than you in, in, in the, the subject matter that you're, you're endeavoring on, it's really, really challenging. And what I can tell you there is you've got to do your homework. You've got to be willing to admit what you know and what you don't know. And you need to be humble because people have spent a lot of time on this planet. And to not acknowledge that, whether ultimately you follow their advice or not, is it, truly a mistake. And, and by doing that and engaging people, it, it goes a long way to establishing that rapport, which hopefully leads to, to trust and some confidence, ultimately. Well, Craig, thank you so much for being on the show today and carving out time to, to provide and share your wisdom with leaders who are listening to us. And I know from knowing you over the years, you're, you're very generous yourself in mentoring others and being open to share everything you know. So I'll point people on my website to how they can find out more about your company. Okay. Birgit, you have been a great friend, mentor, and supporter over the last, what, 15 years that uh, we've been associated. And I just want you to know how much I truly appreciate all that you've done on my behalf. And I hope that this podcast today in some very small way begins to pay that back. But it's in true, true recognition of all that you've done for me. Thank you. Wow. Well, I really appreciate that statement. Thank you again. And if you want to wrap up the show for us with maybe another piece of advice. We're good again. Thank you so very much for the opportunity. I'm truly honored. I hope that your listeners find some value in, in all of this. My final thought would be you only have one spear. Don't dull it by hitting all the rocks because there's lots of problems, lots of challenges. Take the ones you can and, and let the rest go for another day. 